Hey guys! Hello! Welcome back to our podcast! Yay! Yay. Um, it's my turn today. Also, we did skip a week because... Because Sierra sucks at her job. <laughs> Listen, this is not my job. I don't get paid to do this. Actually paid to do this. So, yeah. What are you, uh, what are you drinking today, Kirsten? I'm drinking a caramel ribbon crunch frappuccino. Same, and it was supposed to have extra caramel drizzle and extra crunch because we're those kind of people, but it doesn't. It's fine. It's as long okay. as they didn't charge us. I'm pretty sure they charge you for it. Like, I'm like 95% sure. They charge you for extra swirl, so. Hmm. Yeah. pages Jesus Christ. okay so i am going to be covering the 1991 austin texas yogurt shop murders i don't know you might have heard this because i I've know heard it's, a lot of fast food murders but i don't know if i've heard this you one. might it, you might have heard this on a podcast i feel like crime chunky covered it at some point so you might have heard it but we'll just we'll just carry into it December 26, 1991 was a normal day for four teenagers, 13-year-old Amy Ayers, or Ayers, I couldn't figure out. I've heard both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 17-year-old Eliza Thomas, 17-year-old Jennifer Harbison, and Jennifer's 15-year-old sister, Sarah. So before we get into the case, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background on the girls, kind of tell you what they were like, who they were. So Jennifer Ann Harbison worked at the yogurt shop she she was a senior at lanier high school the president of the school's future farmers of america ffa i was part of ffa just gonna put that out there (laughs) did i like it not really but that's besides the point um she was also the head of the lanier drill team the vikettes and was a member of the track team she was like a star track Mm. track runner for her school like a real go-getter yes a lot more achievingness than than i yeah me too (laughs) she worked before she worked at the yogurt shop she also worked at albertson's grocery store so she was very hard working she had a lot of drive a lot of passion and a bright future ahead of her so yeah it's very sad once you like learn about these girls and you hear what happened to them it's like very very upsetting because all four of them are like this like Mm. very like passionate and driven jennifer's little sister sarah louise harbison was a freshman at lanier high school and a junior varsity cheerleader she was also a member of the student council and the future farmers of america program she raised lambs for the travis country livestock show and rodeo and she collected rocks and shells seashells so a little little fun fact she liked to collect those Sarah's friend was going to be having a sleepover with Amy Lee Ayers. Um, She was an 8th grader at Burnett Middle School, where she was on the yearbook staff. She was in the Junior Future Farmers of America program, and she showed hogs at the Travis Country Fair and Rodeo. Hmm. So very, like, 
This is like, this is Texas. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, it happened in Austin, Texas. So that it was very like country. Yes. Life esque. They were all very connected with animals. All of them were in FFA. So. She also won the arts and crafts division of the fair with a needlepoint doorstop. Whatever that is. Like a door, like a physical doorstop? I don't made know. Out of- but I know that's what that's what she won for. Oh. So she made that's that. That's creative. Yes. She wanted to be a veterinarian when she grew up. Um, and she loved George Strait and loved cats. So, very, very sweet little girl so she was the youngest of them all Hmm. and then working at the yogurt shop with jennifer was eliza hope thomas she was also a senior at lanier high school she enjoyed reading and country dancing so i'm assuming that i want to say it was like line dancing that Mm -hmm. she did um but she also wanted to be a a veterinarian and a rancher uh she raised a pig named stony as a project for future farmers of america so like when you're like really big into this program like to get this keystone award you have to do this certain project put in so many hours into it so i'm assuming that's probably what that was for Hmm. but it takes a lot of time and a lot of hours to achieve that keystone reward like you have to do like a lot of stuff for it so but i want to say that's probably what it was for um her principal said she was into agricultural mechanics and excelled at welding and small engine repair i do want to put a little warning it's a little bit of of a more graphic crime um there is sexual assault involved um so just if you don't want to listen i mean you have to listen but if anybody else doesn't want to listen i'll struggle for you the night of december 6th 1991 jennifer and eliza were working the late shift at a yogurt shop called i can't believe it's yogurt Shortly before the closing, Jennifer's younger sister Amy and her friend Sarah had stopped in asking Jennifer if she could give them a ride home because the two younger girls were planning to have a sleepover that night. So the two younger girls didn't work at the yogurt shop? No, the they two younger girls. Sister, yeah, they were. Um, and one was a friend of the yeah. sister. So they only went there because I believe they went to the mall before and they stopped at the yogurt shop for Jennifer to give them a ride home. Mm, okay. So they weren't supposed to be there Ugh. like in the first place. Um, nothing out of the ordinary happened the night, like that night before closing. It is reported that around 9.30 p.m. there was a suspicious, a suspicious individual seen wearing a green army jacket at the shop. He was in the store for a while. He was walking around. He walked to the back of the store where the bathroom was a few times. He used that. He did that without asking for permission, which was kind of weird. So like he walked to the back of the store? Like, yeah. They, the way they made it, it sound, like, like the back the was like behind the counter to get to the bathroom. Huh. Which I guess you would probably have to ask for permission to, you know, use the bathroom. He also was seen um, talking to another man for quite a while. Like, he sat there with another man. The other guy didn't buy anything except for a soda. Mm -hmm. Just to kind of, like, prolong him being able to, prolong him being able to stay there. But he was definitely a suspicious looking figure. Um, someone had actually asked the girls um, what he was doing when he was walking to the back, and they just told him he was using the bathroom. So, someone definitely, like, there's definitely people who, like, noticed him being, like, weird and, like, suspicious. He left the restroom and walked to the booth to sit with another man. Um, the 
other suspect was wearing a black jacket. He had light hair, stood around five and a half feet tall, and they said he looked to be in his late 20s to early 30s. And he had ordered a Sprite um, to prolong his staying without really ordering any, like, frozen yogurt. So after everybody cleared out of the store, the two individuals in the green and black jacket stayed behind until at least 10.47 p.m., Jennifer and Eliza closed the store at 11, and they rang up a no-sale tag at 11.03, which basically means they closed the cash register so you can't buy anything else. Just before midnight, while out on patrol, an Austin police department officer named Troy Gay noticed smoke rising from the strip mall where the yogurt shop was located. He called in fire, thinking it must have been a simple kitchen fire or something of the sort, and the fire department responded immediately. Nobody was prepared for what they were going to walk into. What time did you say this was? This was right before midnight. So, the two guys were seen there as late as 10.47 p.m. They closed the shop at 11 and a little bit before midnight. Within, like, 45 minutes yeah. of them closing? Yeah. Jesus. So, this was very quick, very sneaky. Um, But he thought it was just a kitchen fire. And they were not expecting this. So, the crime scene a little bit mm, yeah you know all right let's so just a little warning let's do it so when the firemen entered the shop they found the bodies of three girls piled on top of one another the fourth victim amy Ayers, which was the youngest one was found in another part of the shop a half hour later all four girls had been shot in the head with a 22 caliber gun were naked and bound with their own clothes and at least one of them had been raped the scene had been torched to cover up the evidence. According to autopsy reports, Sarah Harbison's nude body was found gagged and with her hands bound behind her back with a pair of panties. Her body was severely charred. She had been raped and shot through the back of the head with a 22 lead bullet um, that was recovered from her brain. Hmm. Jennifer Harbison's nude body was not bound, but her body was found with her hands behind her back as if she, as if she was. Mm-hmm. So it's very possible that they took it off or it burned whenever you know they set everything on fire her body was severely charred and she had been shot through the back of the head with the same kind of bullet um, that was also recovered from her brain eliza thomas's nude body was gagged and her hands were bound behind her back her body was severely charred and she had been shot through the back of the head with the 22 caliber caliber lead bullet that was also recovered from her brain so it was very like execution style mm-hmm. shooting which is um so this one is about the youngest one again this is kind of this one seems to be a little more brutal than the rest um so amy Ayers' nude body was found with a sock like cloth wrapped around her neck with a half hitch in the back her body was not severely charred but covered in second and very early third degree burns over 20 to 35 or 25 to 30 percent of its of her body she had been shot through the back of the head with the same gun same bullet uh, but the bullet did not enter her brain um so they shot her again um it wasn't specified where on her body they shot her again but it did cause severe damage to the brain and this bullet exited through her lateral cheek and jawline because she wasn't found with the rest of the girls this means she probably didn't die from the first bullet uh so they believe that she might have at first been piled up with the other girls and tried to crawl away and that's why she was found in a separate part of the store mm-hmm. and that's when they shot her again 
The killer or killers collected napkins and other flammable items from around the shop and doused them and the bodies with lighter fluid before lighting the shop ablaze. Autopsy results show that high level of ABTU output, which suggests an accelerant may have been used, like some kind of like thing to it, you know, make it, make the fire grow faster. It is believed the girls died before the fire started, which is, to, at some extent, it's kind of better, like you wouldn't want them to burn alive. Yeah, yeah. So at least they went quickly, you hope. To some extent. To some extent. I mean, yeah. it's still a disgusting, like, thing that happened to them. <clears throat> But although most of the DNA was um, destroyed or lost throughout the water damage and the fire damage, there was testable DNA found in Amy. They collected it, but unfortunately the tests at the time were not advanced enough to connect it to any person or individual. Mm -hmm. They also found DNA um, on the clothing that was used to tie up Eliza. It would be several years before the researchers could connect the samples to DNA profiles. So it was a long time before they could even use the DNA for anything useful. Right. Which is disappointing. During the investigation, it was discovered that two guns had actually been used to, to commit the murder, suggesting that there may have been at least two people. It was also determined that approximately $540 was missing from the store. But 500 that definitely wasn't, like, the motive for the crime. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't go and rob a store and only take $540 yeah. and kill four people with it. Yeah. So, I think it was just, like, oh, it's there kind of thing. It wasn't, like, their sole motive mm-hmm. to go and do it. Either way, the police didn't have a lot to go on. A lot of evidence was destroyed in the fire. And the work of the firemen, who had no idea idea what they were dealing with you know they thought they were going into a kitchen fire or something so they didn't really go into it carefully because they didn't know what they were walking in on the city of austin was terrified for someone to commit such a disgusting crime that seemed so senseless and you know very random it was just like it was it was austin texas which is obviously like a big part of texas but it was just a very very brutal case very brutal crime that happened the phones rang at the police station for like not like nonstop. Um, tips were flooding in. They actually had 342 suspects to go through, and then dozens of false confessions, mm. which just makes it so much worse. Cause like, yeah, like you think you're getting <clears throat> like, um, you're getting somewhere closure. Yeah, and then and it's, then they're like, mm, never mind. Like, what kind of like messed up human do you have to be to <clears throat> confess to a crime? so brutal that you didn't do like why would you even want to confess to that like that's what it's not clicking for me yeah i never got that yeah because that happens a lot Mm -hmm. like where people falsely and like there's times where like oh the police coerced me but like there's some things that just like like people just come out and like oh i did it like why why would you ever admit to a crime that you didn't do to begin with some problem yeah honey you need to go to therapy uh they first took a look at serial killers who were already known to the police in the area uh they set their sights on kenneth allen mcduff mcduff was first convicted for raping and murdering three teenagers on august 6th 1966 uh robert brand mark dunham and edna lewis sullivan so those were the three teenagers that he did that to this crime became popular, popularly known as the Broomstick Murders. 
Upon release, McDuff was arrested on a series of parole violations, but he was never locked up for anything substantial. So he would have been out at the time of the girls' murders. So mm. that he was their first, like, main suspect, as in, like, serial killer-wise. That makes sense. And he had quoted, or he told the police, quote, had I done it, I would tell you, because I'd be proud of it. Ugh. End quote. Dirty, dirty man. <sighs> I saw that, and I was like, hold up. <laughs> so wait. Ugh, that's disgusting. Like, that was just, like, that, ugh, that made me so sick That was stomach. uncalled for, sir. Yeah, like, disgusting. Like, disgusting human pig. <laughs> human pig. Pile of lard is what you are. <laughs> like, I was getting really angry as I was researching this, by the way. Like, just, like, the stuff that was happening and, like, that and, like, not for me. Ugh. I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. All right, so following year 1992 he was he was actually arrested for a murder of a 22 year old texan woman melissa ann northrup north yeah northrup that's how i'm gonna say it he was implicated in at least three other murders after being released so tell me how this guy murdered possibly seven people and was released twice just tell me how that how that makes sense. That is called a failure of the justice system. Yeah. Just, I just, I don't understand. Like, how does that make sense? After being released, he got a job at a gas station making $4 an hour and took a class at Texas State Technical College. One year after he left his job at a gas station and dropped out of TSTC, he began killing again. As a fugitive, as a wanted fugitive, he fled to Kansas City but was eventually captured due to a tip from America's Most Wanted, which, okay, America's Most Wanted. I've been hearing a lot of stories about them really, like, assisting. Yeah, helping, catching things freaking killers. And, yeah, and, and, like, killings and stuff like that. The yeah. last, like, few podcasts I've Which, you know, to. good for them. Yeah. Good on them. At least they're doing, doing something. something good yes. out there. Mm-hmm. McDuff was eventually sent to death row. So, finally, this pile of lard is getting what he deserves. I kind of would have liked him to rot in prison. Yeah. But... At least he's... But I feel like he would have enjoyed that. Yeah. So, at least he's detained. He can't hurt anybody else mm-hmm. at this point. Um, he was executed on November 17th of 1998 at Hutsville Unit. Before his execution, he actually... He, he claimed responsibility for the yogurt shop murders. However, the police believed it was a false confession because of his earlier statements. So, yeah. which I don't think it was him because... Yeah, it seems like something like, mm, let me just, like, really throw him off at Yeah, let end. me leave you one last thing yeah, to really mess you up. Yeah, just really fuck shit up. Yeah. And then... So, I, def- I don't think it was him. Police began to focus their search efforts on young people, uh, maybe in their late teens or early 20s, a uh, group of kids that went in there to take $540 from the register, but things got out of hand, which, again, I don't think robbery was the motive for this yeah because nobody not even a teenager would go into a yogurt shop and risk 540 dollars like of course they don't know how much is in there and to like go and like sexually assault them as well not yeah, just like, killing them just, just the brutality of the yeah, crime like there's just, just a lot of extra stuff that there's just a lot of extra stuff that was just yeah done. it was just so it was just not necessary. too brutal to be motivated by i shouldn't say small. necessary but it just like there's just a lot of 
yeah it's just yeah. too brutal just a lot of extra things on top yeah, of for money to be the like sole motivation dollars yeah yeah even if they thought it might have been a thousand like that's still like such a small not amount. that money is like good enough to take somebody's life no but i'm just not. saying like when you really think about it at, yeah at all around it just doesn't add up no it doesn't so through this investigation they came across a teenager named maurice pierce who had been arrested at the north cross mall for a gun shortly after these murders um, so he was carrying a gun. He was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Got arrested. They brought Maurice Pierce for questioning, uh, along with three f- of the friends that he was hanging out with that day. These friends were Michael Scott, Robert Springsteen, and Forrest Wellborn. Nothing panned out. They couldn't prove that the gun was used in the yogurt shop murders uh, because the ballistics didn't match up. So they moved on from those four guys. So as they were um, you know, tracking all these people down interviewing them investigating them they also had like i said a dozen false confessions come in people saying that they did it wanting to be attached to a high profile case to puff out their chest which i think is a weird flex Mm -hmm. and i can't even say weird flex but okay it's just a weird fucking flex like it's not even a flex yeah it's just it's disgusting like you're disgusting you should not be you should not be allowed to associate with humanity (laughs) like like i just like when i like what? Yeah, that's just. I just don't understand. This case is just like, like I know a lot of cases are like this, like high profile cases, like people confess to like, be named because they want to have that like thing, but like that's not the thing that you should want. Yeah, <laughs> especially if you get wrongfully convicted, then you could be sentenced for life, death. Like you know, there's a lot of things that could happen to you. So for these confessions to be taken seriously, they had to have evidence to back it up. None of them did. Usually the person in questioning would eventually give up their false confession, saying that they were just kidding. You should, like, have to go to jail just because you did that. Yeah, you really should. There should be Because that's tampering with, like, um... Evidence. I guess it's not evidence, but, like, it's just, like... It's just messed up. Tampering with the investigation. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I just... I don't understand. Also, if you hear me laughing through this, I'm not laughing because I think this is funny. Because I just... I realize I, like, chuckle a lot thinking this is funny it's not funny it's very serious we just like coping yeah, mechanism just, yeah so like we understand the brutality the seriousness of the topic we also i mean we wanted to do this podcast not i mean to kind of get the word out there on certain cases and stuff i mean unfortunately we're not as advanced or knowledgeable on how to like really fund things for these cases yeah. and you know like which we would you know you like know, to be yeah more which like you know on. other big podcasters i mean we just really want to like share the story so that way you guys yeah so you know them you know that's why we kind of mix it up between crime and you know paranormal or or conspiracy theories yeah. you know i mean but we when we do these crime stories like we're trying to cope with it in our own way yeah, which everybody comes with it differently yeah so but i, I swear yeah. we're just not being disrespectful we're no just i don't trying i don't to. mean any disrespect to any victims or families or anything yes, yes. this is just a coping way mm-hmm. of getting through this because i think this is also just brings awareness to like the crazy ass people that are out there like you hear this and you're like holy shit yeah like people are crazy yes so yes. you know and this is an unsolved case still Ugh, so yeah. People, you know, if you know something, like, this also helps get the word. I know we're not, like, big or whatever. Mm-hmm. But somebody could listen to this and be like, 
they could know something yeah so yeah you know i agree all right so we continue 1999 almost eight years after the murders um families still have no closures on what happened to their daughters who did this to you know this terrible thing to their daughters investigators only really have four real suspects which um would be forrest wellborn michael scott robert springsteen and maurice pierce so they circled back to these four guys again even though they didn't have anything on them before but Hmm. they're circling back these guys were all in their 20s um at this point they were teenagers when the crime happened but now they're in their 20s um these are the same ones that were picked up investigated and then dismissed because they didn't have you know anything on them besides the fact that this maurice guy had a gun in the mall on the same day with his four friends Mm -hmm. that gun that he was caught with um really you know it it didn't match the bullets that the girls were shot with or anything yeah when one of the investigators spoke with uh michael scott he confessed i remember looking at this girl i hear the gun go off I only pulled the trigger once. I hear another gun go off. I think I hear a total of five shots. So all of a sudden, this guy is confessing this to this detective, which, you know, leads them, you know, gives them something to go off of, something to be able to investigate them more. Then they got a second confession from Robert Springsteen. He told them he not only killed one of the girls, but he also raped her. Uh, the police uh, took these confessions and the story of what happened to these four guys and they basically came up with a theory. They had planned to rob the yogurt shop. Three of them would go in and one of them would stay outside as the lookout. But things went too far and they ended up raping and murdering the girl. So this is the police's theory on what they think these four guys did that day because of these confessions. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I just don't think... <laughs> I just don't think that's what happened. Not saying I don't think that they could have done it, but I don't like I don't think the money, money was, was not, the motive. Yeah, no. I just don't think it was. Yeah. I think if these guys did it, they saw these four girls, four young girls, in a yogurt shop, are disgusting pigs, and decided to somehow find th- all four of them with disgusting minds to be able to do this mm-hmm. and attack these girls, and then, oh, there's money, we should probably take it. Yeah. That's what I think. If it was these guys. Maurice Pierce and Forrest Wellborn, the other two boys implicated in the story, refused to confess. They claimed innocence. They had nothing to do with these murders, and they weren't going to admit that they had something to do with them. And so the case against them fell through. There's no evidence to link the crime to them, so no charges. So the charges against them were dropped. But the two who had confessed, which would be Robert Springsteen and Michael Scott, were tried separately for the yogurt shop killings and were both found guilty of capital murder. Uh, Springsteen received the death penalty and Michael Scott was sentenced to 99 years in prison. Both said those confessions had been coerced, coerced, but it was too late to, you know, take it back, recant it. There wasn't... When they were able to finally test the DNA... There was not a single shred of DNA evidence connecting any of them to this crime. They had the DNA from Amy, and they had the DNA from one of the girls' jackets, or whatever they were tied up with. Mm -hmm. None of the two guys' DNAs were on either of those girls. So, that's kind of where it falls through. Which is crazy to think that these two guys confessed to this crime, 
And then once they got sentenced, they're like, we're coerced. Like, we didn't do this. So they're saying basically the, it's a little late. The police made them, you know, confess. Yeah. But like, how far can a police a detective push you to confess to know. such a brutal like crime? I feel like me, just like mentally, if I was ever in a situation where someone's like, I know you did it, I know you did it, I feel like I, I would, would still be like, them. no, I di- like I didn't. I w- yeah. Like if I know that and I And I know didn't this might it. sound like suspicious, like if you actually said it, but like where's the evidence? You don't have any evidence against yeah. me, like because I didn't do it. Yeah. So like. But then at the same time, it's like, if you're in that situation, you didn't actually do it. Like, why aren't you saying, you know, take my DNA, give me it now? You know, at the time, polygraph tests were probably more popular than they are now because you can't use them in the court systems now. Yeah. But, like, you know, give me a polygraph test. Yeah, but at the same, like... Yeah, like, take your DNA. Like, I have an alibi. Like, you know, there's so many things that you could... Even not, like, being, like, a true crime person. Like, there's so many things that you could do to give them everything they need to prove that it's not and the first thing is always is to lawyer up yeah lawyer up girls because you know sometimes as you see people do get like really pressured by police in some sadly situations where they're not actually like involved in the crime yeah and instead of them just saying i want a lawyer you know they just end up confessing something that they didn't do you know always ask for that lawyer if they prove you know if they feel that you can't afford one after you know looking into they do provide you with a lawyer yeah you know free of charge so Mm -hmm. you can always always get a lawyer Mm -hmm. yeah there's like no way of not you know you'll never not there's just a lot of smarter ways to go about it if i were ever in a situation like that personally that's just kind of like my thought process Mm -hmm. but i don't think anybody could ever like pressure me that much no ever like even a super anxious anxiety ridden person yeah i just don't i just i just would never be able to like how do you confess and such like a deep confession like oh i shot her and then i raped her yeah like that's such like a or something that you didn't do yeah like and it's weird but it happens a lot hmm. like a lot of false confessions and false convictions like yeah. happen yeah. because people do these things for whatever reason so during the interrogations with these two men a lot of stuff went wrong one of the detectives on the case was transferred actually after he allegedly <gasps> I can't do this anymore. Alright, one of the detectives was on the case was transferred after he allegedly extorted confessions in an unrelated case. Uh, yeah, I feel like I I've heard this about another case too. So where he had there's a lot one of- there was another thing that's just like you have this detective, like why is he even allowed yeah. to be a detective after this? Like you just transferred him, you didn't get rid of him? After he extorted confessions from one case and then probably extorted confessions after, like, yeah. for this case. So there's another thing where I'm like, I don't know if these guys did it. So a photo also came into light of another member of the Austin Police Department pointing a gun at Scott's head during his interrogation. So. See, now so then that I could see. Yes. Like, yes. Being like, yes, I did it. Like, that's yeah. it. That's what you want. Like. Because, like, they were, they they were, were 20, young. but yeah. at the same time, like, you're, the 20 is still young. Yeah. No, you it know? is. So. Especially for a male. No offense to you guys. Yeah. But, you well, know, you, you develop slower. You develop a lot slower than Yeah. No, no hate. I mean. No hate at all. No. Just, it's just the God honest truth. It is the God honest truth. <laughs> 
15 years after the murders and 10 years with two men serving hard time in prison, another turn of events happened. Ultimately, both Scott's and Springsteen's convictions were overturned and the cases were thrown out. So this is why the case is still unsolved. Because there's no evidence against these guys. There really isn't. And after all that... That is such a shame because it's like all that time wasted. Yeah. And then these families are probably thinking, oh, like I finally like have closure. And they don't. Yeah. Like that killer could still be out there. Yeah. Which is another like terrible thing to think about. So here's why their cases were overturned. Everyone in the, everyone is entitled by the Sixth Amendment to confront an accuser. But in the case of Michael Scott and Robert Springsteen, their confessions were used against each other. But they were never allowed to cross-examine each other at a trial. So their constitutional rights were violated, therefore meaning they would get a new case. So they're going to be retried? or it's No, they were done. just dropped because mm. they probably had nothing. They used their confessions against... So they probably against- were like, oh... We're gonna retry your case, but then realize there was nothing to retry. Yeah, with, and because they used it. their confessions against each other when mm. they, and they weren't okay. allowed to cross-examine each other. Yeah. at their own trials. I got you. So their rights were violated, which means they either retry, which they probably figured they have absolutely nothing on these I guys. I hope you boys are out there and really redemptioning yeah. yourselves. You better do some good in the world. Good for the Lord. Yes, because you know. You done goofed up pretty damn bad mm-hmm. if you didn't actually do it. Yeah. And you gave these people a lot of false hope. Yeah. It's just... So, as difficult as it would be for the family of the girls to relive, this was a saving grace for both Scott and Springsteen. Springsteen had said was the one who said he had raped one of the victims, but the prosecutors got a shock when those DNA results came back. Turns out the DNA from the crime scene did not match Springsteen nor any of the men accused of the crime. So even the four, or even the two that weren't in jail, didn't match any of the four guys. Which is another thing. It's like, literally, they have they have literally nothing against them, except for the fact that some sixteen year old is carrying a gun in the mall, not yeah. even in the yogurt shop, and not even the same gun. Yeah, not or even the same gun. Yeah. <laughs> so. While officially the court said they believed they had the right men responsible for the crime, the men would not be re-prosecuted until the unknown male connected to the DNA evidence was found. So, in the beginning, we talked about the two men who were seen at the yogurt shop. Mm -hmm. Everyone else who was at the yogurt shop was identified except for those two men. So, nobody has ever been able to identify the two men, which are probably the two people who did it. If Mm -hmm. there was more, we don't know, but it's, you know... Well, I mean, two grown men with guns against, like, four girls. Yeah, and these guys were 16, 17 at the time. Yeah. And the description that people coming in and out of the yogurt shop had given of at least one of the guys was 25 to 30 years old. Yeah. So, it's a big age gap, too. At least 10 to 15 year age gap yeah. in between who they saw and who they're blaming the crime. Yeah. Um, it is very likely that these two men who are believed to be the last two people to see the girls alive are the real culprits and that the dna evidence that they've collected probably belongs to them so latest updates on this case december 23rd 2010 austin police officer frank wilson and his rookie partner bradley smith conducted a traffic stop on a vehicle driven by maurice pierce one of the four originally arrested for the case okay 
one of the kids yes he was the one who had the gun in the mall okay so he was like the original like and he denied everything yeah he denied everything they didn't have anything on him so they couldn't even Mm -hmm. charge him with anything he was arrested in the northern part of the city after a brief foot pursuit pierce struggled with with wilson before removing a knife from his belt and stabbing wilson in the neck so this guy stabbed a police officer in the neck because he ran from them wilson luckily survived his injuries subsequently pulled out his gun shot and killed pierce so he wasn't he definitely wasn't a saint he definitely was not a great person but i i just don't think i mean everybody can speculate but i just don't think this guy was involved in yeah especially if the dna doesn't match yeah there's no dna evidence against him there's no security camera footage against him the only thing they had is the mall situation which wasn't the right gun it wasn't you know the right i don't know it was it wasn't the right description it wasn't the right anything so yeah i just don't think it was him as for the dna evidence in 2017 the dna was submitted to a new kind of dna profiled called ystr into a searchable database um and there was a match although there was no names attached the match could identify the possible killer's male relatives and help police cr- track down the perpetrator. Uh, when the FBI was asked for information of the person who matched, FBI officials said that the information being sought is protected by federal law and is not as significant as investigators had hoped. So it seems like it didn't really lead to anywhere, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But I've heard about this kind of test where, like, they get the relatives yeah and then they're able to narrow it down Mm -hmm. so i'm not understanding why i don't know if they're saying something with that person their information is protected is that what he's like no i think he's saying like the actual like the the outcome of the dna itself is being protected like what the outcome was is protected right now hmm um so due to the law this potential dna match cannot be used to narrow down who the actual killers are so as of today this murder has not been solved it's a cold case um there's not much more information to go on but somebody out there knows something so keep sharing because when you share cold cases get solved that was the 1991 austin texas yogurt shop murders if you have any information about the yogurt shop murder you can call 512-472-TIPS and that will lead you to where you need to go awesome so how you feeling that was pretty intense yep. i'm actually already that was a pretty now. dark one yeah yeah i'm probably gonna have to go watch like a happy movie yeah or something. i told you i had nightmares after i watched that documentary last night oh my god yeah because i just want to like refresh my memory yeah not a good idea oh okay well catch you guys on the flip side Keep on sipping. Yeah. Bye. Hey guys, Kirsten here from Killers Crime and Coffee. Don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook at Killers Crime and Coffee, a true crime and paranormal podcast. Instagram at Killers Crime Coffee Pod. And you can also visit our website, killerscrimecoffee.wixsite.com. Feel free to email us uh, your story suggestions and feedback at killerscrimecoffeepod at gmail.com. Make sure to also follow our friend Kobe, who made our awesome intro music on Instagram at 
kobe.conrad with four Ds, where you can find a link to his music. Make sure to find us on Spotify and Amazon Music. Bye!